Come on, everybody. Let's give our praise towards our Heavenly Father and who He is. He's so powerful and strong and amazing. It's absolutely incredible. If you're here in the sanctuary, y'all can go ahead and have a seat. If you are watching online, we are so glad that you are connecting with us. And we hope that you feel God's presence. I know we do here. Like when we sing and we worship, we feel God in His Spirit. It's so awesome and so amazing. If you're new to Grace Church, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here. And, and I'm so excited. We are launching out on a brand new series uh, on end times. We're going to be focusing on the return of Christ and his second coming. I'm, I'm so excited about that. I hope that you are as well. And so I know one of the things that I try and do is I always try and put a little bit of a different spin. And so today might be a little bit different than what you're expecting. But uh, when, when you recognize the, the magnitude of what God's doing, the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ is extremely relational. It's very, it's very much a connection with God our Father in heaven connecting with us. And in scripture, it actually refers to it like a wedding. So a wedding is so significant. You have vows, you have a covenant, you have rings, and, and it's a connection of two people. And that's what our God in heaven is doing in the return of Christ, connecting with us. And so before I get too much into my message, because I'm so excited, I do want to pray. So will you pray with me now? And so Lord God, we love you. Lord, with all of our heart and desire and passion, uh, God, we recognize that you are first. You are king, you are creator, you are Lord. Jesus, we know that you're going to return. We're so excited about your second coming. But Father, I ask that you would show, would you reveal as we dive into your word and your scripture, would you give us some understanding? Would you give us some insight in what you want to communicate to us? Lord, we love you and honor you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, it is great to see every single one of you. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this series and unfolding over the next several weeks what it means and what it looks like. And Because uh, when, you, when you look at end times and, and scripture, really the, there's one third of, of all the Bible is prophetic in nature. You know, in the Old Testament, you have the major prophets and minor prophets. And, and in the New Testament, you have many of the chapters are specifically uh, written about end times when Jesus talked about it himself. And of course, you have the book of Revelation. There's so much that talks about Jesus' return. And then when you look at modern times, gosh, isn't it really, really interesting the things that are going on currently in current like global events? You, you have Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, you, you have the earthquake in Turkey. And, and you definitely have China seems to ver be very active these days. And the bouquet of balloons that they sent our way recently. And I'm like, y'all, that was funny. Like, you can laugh, like it's okay, we're talking about the second coming, but th like, there's still humor in it, and it is, because to me, the second coming of Christ, it's not political, like it's not political at all, in, in fact, it's very spiritual, it's supernatural what Jesus is going to do, and I'm so excited about that, because we should have confidence, you know, we should have confidence in our God, we should have confidence in the Bible, and what Jesus tells us, and how it's going to all, all unfold. But I know the reality is, is some of you are scared. Like when you talk about the return of Christ and you're going, but I don't know so much. And I think that there's a correlation. Sometimes with lack of knowledge, you know, fear has an opportunity to set in. So what I want to do, do I want to, you know, fill our brains with some scripture? Yeah, but man, more than that, I believe that the Lord is going to fill our hearts and our spirit with his presence and who he is to give us assurance and confidence. Uh, because think about it. There has always been persecution of the church. There has always been pestilences. They're, they're happening now. I mean, gosh, here in Florida, Southwest Florida got decimated from a hurricane. We have friends that are down there. And, and, and so th th those hurricanes happen now. There's storms that are constantly happening. We, we just, 
we went through a global pandemic, and so those things are normal. It's always taking place. And this year, there will be more martyrs for Christian faith than ever in all of history. It's just reality. It's proven. So ever since the fall of man, ever since the garden, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, Satan has continued to desire to bring destruction and bring death and persecution against the church. But God, but God sends Jesus to us, right? The first time he sends Jesus as his son and he, and he brings us forgiveness. He brings us grace. He, Jesus shows his power over sin and death and we get to experience that in such a powerful way. And so then you have this incredible aspect where Jesus ascends into heaven. It's so incredible. And he says, but I'm gonna come back. I will return and for the second coming. And so I wanna just give us some encouragement because Jesus taught us in John chapter 14, starting in verse one, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. And so that will always be with you so that you will always be with me where I am. And so this is so encouraging. Like this is the relational connection. Like we've got to understand that the Lord wants to connect with us forever. Like forever, for all eternity. That's his desire for every single one of us. But... When you talk about eschatology and end times and the second coming, there's a lot of hype out there, isn't there? There's a lot of information and, and, and there's a lot of misinformation uh, about all of it. And so I'm going to do my very best to, to navigate all this. But, but man, there's a lot of people that say a, a lot of different things. And I just, I want to give you assurance because God actually told me when Jesus is coming back. Thank you for laughing. Yes, it's a joke. Like, I'm just kidding. And some of you are new to Grace Church and are you new to, to Christian faith and you're going, whoa, 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 did I miss that? No, no, no. It actually, I was just telling a joke because Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 36. He says, no one, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. So this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, hey, y'all, I don't even know exactly when, only my dad, only our heavenly father knows. And so it, I do believe with, with no doubt though, Jesus gives us understanding in scripture and, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Bible will teach us and show us things so we can be educated. We can have the intellectual side and the knowledge, but I also believe that we can have discernment discernment about the things that are going on. And so we shouldn't be so easily persuaded by culture and, and things that are happening. And Because I believe every single generation thinks that they're the one that's going to experience the second coming of Christ. So is Jesus going to return in this generation? I hope so. Like, yes, that would be awesome. That would absolutely be amazing. But every single generation, all the way back to even the first century, they all have thought, it's now, it's going to happen because they all had issues, they all had problems, they all had global leaders that could have potentially been an antichrist. There's so many things and factors in that. So we all think that, and I hope we're the one. That would be amazing. But we don't know the specific day or hour. But we can look at 
the seasons that are going on. So when you look at the prophecies in Scripture and the ones that already have been fulfilled and the ones that are yet to be completed, I mean, there's only just a few small ones that haven't been completed. I think, you know, one of the main ones is the, the gospel, the good news going throughout the entire globe to all, you know, all human nature or all, all humans and all humanity. And so, but man, I'll, when, when, I, when I read the, the, the statistics about missionaries and, and, and those that are going to those tribes and nations, it is shrinking very fast. And so it, it very much could happen. And, and when you look at the movement of the Holy Spirit, are you guys aware there is an incredible movement of the Spirit going on globally? And, and so that's so exciting. But sometimes we go, yeah, but, but America, you know, but America seems so far from God. America seems to be struggling and not close to the Lord. And so let me give you a little bit of a bigger perspective. Okay, it's just a, a, a high perspective of this. So I love our country, but we are one country in an entire globe. I believe there's 193 countries on our planet, and we're one of them. And, and it's awesome, but man, when you look at the entire earth, most of the nations are experiencing an incredible movement of the, the good news of, the, of Jesus, the gospel being preached, the Holy Spirit doing incredible things and salvations. And so the U.S. is one of 17 nations that are spiritually in stagnation or plateau or decline. So one of 17. You know, some, some people say, you know, America's in decline. Some people say America's stagnant. I, I don't care, but in, in, the, in the lump, there's 17 out of the 193. So when you look globally, there's an incredible move of God happening. But here in our country, we continue to, to struggle with moral relativism, self-centeredness, seeking a, a, a pleasure-filled lifestyle instead of pursuing after the Lord and who he is. But and so with that, I just I have to share the reality. God's plan does not revolve around the USA. Uh, we are one of, can we be part of God's plan? Absolutely. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, can we be part of it? Yes, no doubt. But we are one in, in the midst of a globe. And so we're to hold fast. We're to remain faithful. We're to share the good news, the radical love of Jesus with our neighbors and friends and family, and to continue to pray and believe for, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I just, I believe that we can have that every single day. I wake up every day and I go, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna pursue after God or not? Am I gonna be passionate for the Lord? Am I gonna allow the enemy to occupy my thoughts and my, and my heart? Or am I gonna receive the Lord and, and allow the Holy Spirit to rise up inside of me? Because I don't know if you've looked at some of the, the current things that are happening you know, amongst Christians, but man, there's an awakening in, in Asbury and in, in that college and that region and it's continuing to spread. And so that's so exciting. But when you talk about the return of Jesus, it's very much relational. It's a connection. Regardless of what nation you live in, what city or town, it's about a connection with our, with our Lord and Savior and our Heavenly Father. And so what I want to focus on today is the aspect where Scripture talks about Jesus' second coming, and it makes the correlation and the connection that it's like a wedding, uh, so, I mean, think about the importance of a wedding and what it means and the ceremony and, and the vows and the covenant that's established in a wedding ceremony. There's an intimate connection. But there's, there's preparation before the wedding, isn't there? 
And that's one of the things I want to share with you. There's definitely preparation. I don't know if you're married or not or you were previously married, but, but you are probably all aware that there's a lot that goes on before the wedding day actually arrives. You know, and some of you are engaged right now and you're like, yes, and uh, you know, you, you get it and you totally understand. I know when I do premarital counseling and I meet with couples, I, 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 talk, I call it the big five. There's five big things. And usually I, I look specifically at the young lady. I'm like, did you get your dress? Like, yes, I got my dress. Did you, did you pick the date? Yep, we got the date. Did, did you pick the venue? You know, did you pick where this is going to happen? Yep, we have that. And then, and then you get into like the creative side, like the videography and the photography and stuff. And then food and flowers, like that type thing. And so those are the big, there's a lot going on. And usually after the wedding day, the bride has PTSD. Like there's, there's so many things going on. It's like, ah, you know, it's crazy. It's insane. Have you ever been with a bride or, or, or like on the wedding day to get ready? They're, they're, oh my gosh, nowadays there's, there's a full schedule. Like there's all these things that have to happen. It's a big ordeal. There's, you know, all this, this planning and organization. And I know I, I recently did a, a wedding ceremony and, and, and my whole day, before the ceremony was at six o'clock that night, but my whole day was planned. You know, we had breakfast and then we had a thing and then we had lunch and then we had hair and makeup and we got many petties together. I never felt so pampered in all my life. <laughs> but man, there's so much that goes into it, isn't there? And so here, let me share with you what Jesus communicates. In Matthew 25, verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish, they didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five, they were wise enough to take along extra oil. And so when you read this, like Jesus is teaching, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm the bride, or I'm the groom, and the church is my bride, and he, connect, he makes that connection, and he's talking about the bridesmaids, but there's, there's two different groups. Like it's 10 total, but there's two separate, and the oil, it, it, they needed that for the time, for the possibility that if the, the groom arrived late at night, like if he came, and he, and he came during a time that, that nobody was expecting in an unknown hour, and so to me, when I read that, it says very clearly that, that we're to be prepared. We, we are to be prepared and to resource ourselves and be ready for what might be happening. But I, I also want to touch on the fact that Jesus uses the example of oil. And so throughout Scripture, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying five, they didn't have enough of the oil of the Holy Spirit. And, and five others... They brought extra. So to me, I'm going, man, I want to be on the side of the five that, that says I'm full. Like I'm full of the presence of God. I'm full of the spirit. I'm full of this oil. So to me, we can be overflowing with the presence of God. And so when we're overflowing, what's happening? To me, the impurities that are inside of us, they're getting flushed out. We're overflowing with the presence and, and we can continue to, and, and our lamp can burn bright and it can continue to burn bright. Even at night, even in the darkest hour, we can have oil and to burn bright. And so th th those are the five that, that are considered wise. And I hope that you're in that group. But unfortunately, Jesus also talks about another five and he calls them foolish because they didn't bring enough. So my question is, do you feel like you're a little bit dry, a little bit weary, empty and struggling? 
Because I believe even in the midst of those times, we still can be full of the Spirit if we choose to be. And so here's a piece that I want to share with you. You know, I love what I do. I love pastoring you. I love this community. But my job, my role, the, the, the gift mix that God has given me is to teach the word, and, and it, it says in Scripture, to equip, to equip people to do the work of the ministry. And so what that means is it's your personal responsibility for your own spiritual condition. That's not my responsibility. Will we teach the word? Absolutely. We'll go after it in a big way here, and we want God's presence. But it's your responsibility to connect with God Almighty. The, the level of oil... In your lamp, that's up to you. That's not up to me. And so how much oil are you bringing to the table? How much are, are you experiencing? Because this parable is talking about you and I preventing us from having a lack of, that we make the preparations that literally we have enough oil that we can attend the wedding, the ceremony when Jesus returns. And so we are to stay faithful to all that God calls us to and make preparations for the wedding. The second thing that we can do is just the reality that Jesus' return is for his bride. And that's the church. That's every single one of us. And, and so we have to be able to put ourselves in this place that we get it, where everything is about Jesus' return, but we get to be part of that. It's so amazing, it's so significant about this covenant and the connection that happens. So in Revelation 19 in verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So what we're wearing to the wedding is symbolized by the things that you and I do before the wedding takes place. And so we've got to be prepared. We've got to be living this out. We've got to be the church. Because when you talk about end times and eschatology, a lot of people go, oh, it's, you know, it's God's wrath and it's dragons and 666 and the Antichrist. And yeah, that's definitely part of it. And we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks and stuff. But that's only for a short period of time. I mean, we're talking about Christ's return for eternity. Right, so we're talking about for all man, for, for, forever, like all time, and so many people get scared. But this is meant to be a reconnection, a covenant relationship between us and the Lord. Why, why is it that way? Why does God want to connect with us? I believe it's because he loves us so much that he wants there to be a union between us and him for all eternity. That's how much he cares about you and I. Let me read you a, a few verses in Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. How? Like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And this part's amazing. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
And so all the bad stuff, like all the negative things, gone. Like, so we're talking about perfection. Once again, we're, we're, we're reestablishing a type of Garden of Eden where God brings heaven to earth. And that's, what, that's the second coming of Christ and what we get to experience. There's no illness. There's no death. There's no corruption, no lying, no bitterness, you know, between you and your friends or family, no, no resentment, no gossip. Why do all these things happen? Why, why does Revelation 21 take place? I believe it's because God is so passionate for us. God loves you and I so much that he's willing to do these things that we could experience him. I mean, he wants to be reunited with us and have this intimate, incredible connection. So even with me saying that, like if I look at you and I say, God is so fond of you, some of you go, maybe, maybe them or, but I don't know if he's fond of me. You know, I, I know that God loves me and, and he forgives me and, I, and I'm thankful for that, but I'm not convinced that God likes me. I, I talk to people all the time and, and, and sometimes we struggle with that. I want to share a story uh, with you and I hope that you can make the connection uh, between the two. So when my youngest son was one year old, uh, so for all the ladies, 12 months, because uh, ladies talking months and guys talking just simple numbers. Like, my baby's 14 months, so he's one. Uh, so <laughs> when my son was one, uh, he, he had gotten into the pantry, right? So, you know, he, he little guy's crawling, walking some. He, he, we have one of those, it's, it's like an accordion door type pantry where, you know, you pull it and, and the door kind of folds up. It's a bifold type thing. And so he got in there, right? It's just typical. He, you get in there. Well, we had... It was one of those big jugs of olive oil down on the floor, right? So it was one of the plastic containers. I think it was about a liter and a half, and that bad boy was almost full. And so somehow he got the cap off of the olive oil, and he, like, tipped it over. So, so like, the oil spills out, and, and it's there, and it, it's, like, free-flowing, and... <laughs> I mean, so he's a little guy, so he was like trying to crawl, and he was like slipping, and he was like, you know, crawling, and he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't go anywhere at all. And so I walk in, and I'm like dying laughing. I'm not a good parent. Like, I am cracking up at what he's doing. I'm like, wait, 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 this is good stuff. Like, and so I want a video, and he's just like this, just going nuts. And, and I like even like we cleaned up the oil eventually and but there was this big pool and he just had it, had it all over him. Like I, I literally think that there still might be residue from the olive oil. There was so much on the floor. But you know what? It was all okay, wasn't it? it, it like it was all okay. It was a big mess. But when, when it comes down to it, He's my son. He's my son, and I love him, and I care for him. And so we cleaned up all the mess, and everything was all right. And I just, I believe for some of you, that this is for you, where you, you look at the mess, and you go, the mess is too big, it's too rough. And I just believe that God is looking over you and saying, yeah, but you're my son. You're my daughter. Like, I love you so much. We'll deal with the mess. And there might be some residue and some residual, but 
I'm so passionate for you. He adores you so very much. Because when we're in Christ, when we're connected with Christ, then we become one of God's kids. And he adores us. And so Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. And there's a covenantal connection between the two. And so are we living in the last days? Is this the generation that will see Christ's return? Man, I hope so. It sure does seem like it, doesn't it? I mean, we would look at everything that's going on. We go, man, I think so. But the reality sits in my soul that for every single one of us, our last day might actually be before Christ's return. And so with that being said, every single one of us, we are to live every day as though it's our last. We are to live in connection with our Heavenly Father because we don't know the day or the hour for us personally, nor do we know the day or hour when he will return. But we need to be ready. We need to be prepared for what's going on. And so I want to share this with you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. And so we don't know the exact day. We don't know the hour, but we know the season. So Jesus makes the correlation that it's kind of like the, a pregnant woman. Like you don't know exactly the due date or, or you know the due date according to medical stuff, but you don't know when that baby's coming. And so it's a season, it's a time, and it's very clear that we can be ready. We can be prepared. The season and what's taking place. Because if you're a follower of Christ, the things that you and I are walking through, it shouldn't really matter because sometimes it's good Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But the reason we can continue to remain faithful is because our eyes are on eternity. We know our hope is in Christ and we know who he is and what he's done. But if you're not connected to Jesus, that's when it gets a little bit concerning, doesn't it? Because you, you don't have assurance about eternity. And I would say maybe you're not yet living a surrendered life to the Lord. One of the things that I love to, a phrase I love to use is a following. Because when Jesus invited people to be his disciples, he said, come, like come follow me. So it's an active movement. It's active progression of following him and who he is. Because this second coming of Christ, it is real and it will happen. And, and you might say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. That's fine that you don't. I hope that you'll change your mind about all that. But just because you don't believe in God doesn't mean Jesus isn't coming back because he is. It's the reality of what's going to take place. And so I just, I love, love this so much where Jesus makes the connection about a wedding. You know, it's a covenant. It's a connection. And so I have one final piece that I want to share with you is that a single person doesn't have to get married. A married person doesn't have to remain married. And I'm not talking about human relationships right now. 
you don't have to surrender to Christ. And if you are surrendered to him, you don't have to remain in a following relationship with him. But you can. That's the difference. Jesus is who he is. He will return. The question is, are you going to choose to be connected with him? And if you choose to be connected with him, are you going to remain faithful? Are you going to continue in that active, growing relationship? It's dynamic, and it's meant to be that way. Because those who are faithful, it says those who are faithful all the way to the end. There's so many scriptures that I could stack up on that. Those who are faithful all the way to the end, those are the ones that experience the kingdom. So it's that remaining in the relationship is extremely important. And so what I want to do right now is I just, I want to give every single one of us an opportunity to have a connection with the Lord, to begin following him, to return to following him. And so in scripture, it it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says that we'll be saved. And so that word saved is is salvation. It means we'll be rescued from eternity in hell where literally we can experience the salvation for eternity in heaven. And we don't know the day or the hour when that will take place. But you have an opportunity to respond here and now in this moment. And so if everybody here in the sanctuary, if you guys could do me a favor and bow your heads. And if you're watching online, I would, I would definitely encourage you to, to pray right now and, and make a connection with the Lord. But for those of you that are here, you know, in the sanctuary, if you want to respond online, uh, how many of you here would, would, would be willing to raise your hand and say, you know what, I need to make a connection with God. Go ahead and put your hand up. Where are you at? Like, I, I need to make a connection with the Lord. I need to reconnect with him. I need to surrender my life. This is a big deal. There's assurance, and this is so important. Thank you so much. I I promise you, you're not the only one with your hand up. This is so incredible. Thank you so much. Like God is moving right now. His spirit is moving powerfully. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray. So if you had your hand up or you're watching online, I just want you to pray with me. Just in your own head, just maybe say something like, God, I know I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. Jesus, I believe that you are the son. Of, of our Father in heaven and that you did die, but you rose again. Thank you so much for doing that. And right now I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. Would you forgive me of all the things that I've ever done? Lord, removing shame, removing guilt, help me to have a connection with you, that you would give me a fresh start. Lord, that you would clean up my mess and that you would fill me with the oil of your presence. And Father, I pray that for us as a church and us as a people and the church as a whole, God, that we would experience your presence like never before. Lord, that our our lamps that Jesus was talking about, that they would be full and even overflowing with oil. Lord, that our light would be shining so bright that we'd be so passionate for you. And Lord, I continue to pray that you would, you would fuel the, the movement of your spirit in our cities, in our counties and states, and, 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 and our country, Lord, and globally. Give us that type of perspective about what you're doing. And God, we do absolutely get so excited that you, for your return. We would say, come, Lord Jesus, that you would return and, and save us. 
We give you the praise, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.